The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Coming up on episode 327 of Wheel Bearings, we got the uh, GMC Canyon AT4, Jeep Renegade, and the Honda Civic. Also, the final, we finally got the first deliveries of the Tesla Cybertruck. Uh, the IRS says no tax credits for EVs with Chinese battery parts. Uh, Connecticut is pulling back on their plan to ban internal combustion engine vehicle sales. There's a new generation Leaf coming out of the UK. And it might be a small crossover. Uh, Detroit has a stretch of road that'll charge your EV, or charge some EVs at least. Uh, and Atlanta wants to ban drunk drivers and street racers for life. All that and more coming up next. <laughs> This is episode 327 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abuel Salmon from Guidehouse Insights, and I'm going to apologize right now for the sound of my voice. I've been battling a cold, so uh, hopefully it's not too annoying for everybody. You're like Tom Waits. You sound like a character actor. It's actually kind of intriguing. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm practicing to be in a, in a, in a noir detective movie. <sighs> She had legs that went down to the ground. <laughs> she was quite a dame. Uh, oh, I'm Roberto Baldor from SAE International. And I'm I'm a guest. I'm Tanya Gastic from Media Post and, and Words Auto and A Girl's Guide to Cars. Thank you for joining us today, Tanya. And uh, uh, Nicole is still somewhere in, in Europe uh, having fun. So um, why don't we start with you, Nicole? Thank <laughs> With you, Tanya, what have you Uh-oh. been driving? <laughs> oh, all of us girls, we all just look the same. Right? Yeah, the girls right. look the same. Yeah, interchangeable. Yeah, so. Interchangeable. Nicole, Tanya, whatever. You know, just just call me. Hey, you. I'm hey, ladies. <laughs> yeah. Hey, lady. What well, have you been driving, I, Tanya? I was just telling you, I I just drove um a rental car for a week for for thirteen hundred miles, a, a Jeep Renegade, and I was on vacation in Utah. I hit. Um, all five, my husband and I hit all five national parks in, in six days and drove like, and then, and then we did the Ford Bronco off rodeo. We drove our Jeep to the off rodeo. That was kind of fun. And and then we drove a Bronco in the off rodeo. Did they let you take the renegade in the the course at all? No, no, no. It stayed in the parking lot. It didn't, I, it was a rental car. I would, I would not have done that because I don't, I don't need to pay that, you know, that fee when I break a rental car. Yeah. What, so, so what did you, what did you think of the Renegade, you know, the little baby Jeep? I, you know, I, I honestly had never driven one before, so I was very intrigued by it. It was very small, you know, compared, we parked to some, next to some other compact SUVs and it was considerably smaller, you, you know, even compared to them, but it was very capable. I, I drove a lot of mountainy, curvy Utah roads. Utah roads are, are a lot, even, you know, they're, quote, <laughs> you know interstates are a lot you're doing a lot of mountains and curves and stuff and it held up really really well yeah it's been a while since i drove a renegade it's been several years 
Um, you know, but I, I had one, like when it first came out, I had one from the press fleet and I also drove them a couple of times at the, uh, the what's new events that they used to do at the, the Chrysler proving grounds on the off-road course there. And you'd, you'd be surprised. I mean, it, it's, it can actually do some real off-roady stuff. Yeah. I mean, we didn't, we didn't try much because like I said, I was a little nervous about that. It hit 55,000 miles on it. You know, it was like a two. Wow. That's a lot. lot, Yeah. That's some rough miles. (laughs) Right. In Utah. But I was really surprised at how, and you know, we need to do more of that as journalists because we always drive these brand spanking new cars with like, I'm driving a Honda Civic this week and it's got 900 miles. You know, clearly I'm like the second or third person to ever drive it. And it's like, that's really not as accurate as driving a 55,000 mile car, you know, to see what it's actually like, you know, after it's been living for a while. So is it something that you would recommend to other people to consider if they want a a small, like what, I guess, what trim level was the Renegade? The one I had? Yeah. Um, I don't know, but it it didn't have a lot. I mean, it it wasn't like, like it wasn't a trail screen and and, I mean, it was just a base. (laughs) The screen was like the size of a credit card, which was kind of hilarious. You know, I was just like, screens have definitely evolved in two years. You know, that's, that's the other thing you, you, drive a car that's two years old versus one now. And it's like, we've come a long way in two years. Yeah. So what what about the Civic? Well, I've only had the Civic a couple days and so far so good. It's, it's, uh, I've got the turbo. So it, it really, I, I, you know, I've read other reviews of it saying that it's, it's, it's okay, but, but not super spirited. And I would disagree. I mean, I, I, I was doing some serious accelerating on the freeway yesterday and I, I got up to 109 without even trying. Better better not do that in Atlanta. No, no. God, no, I know we're going to talk about that. So when I do that, there is nobody else around and I, I hold it for like a second and then I go back down. So I don't really feel like I'm being dangerous. I mean, technically I'm breaking the law, but I gotta ch- I gotta test the car, right? Yeah. You know? I guess you gotta, gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> um, I'll tell the cops when I get pulled over. Hey, so I gotta uh, test the car. Um, yeah. When we we've got my my wife and I have a, a Civic. We've got a 2017 Civic hatchback, which also has that 1.5 turbo. And you know we've had it for six and a half years now, going on almost seven years, and it was still. It's still a great car, you know, it, and you know it's always had you know it, it's always had plenty of performance. You know, it's got it's got more than enough performance than people need as a daily driver. I think you know one hundred and seventy five horsepower. Yeah, one hundred percent. And it's it's got so many other you know standard features. Um, you know, it's the, the wireless Apple CarPlay. I it's just I know that should just be basic now, but it it's not as we know. And it's just so nice to get into a car that immediately hooks up to my phone without without much trying. And the the trunk is huge. Like we went to Tractor Supply and Target and filled that thing. And and it's got a nice button that you push, and then you can push it push down the back seat. So you've got I bought a, I bought a new snow shovel, so I had to do that to uh, to get it through. And it's it's got a huge amount of of cargo for a little car. Yeah. And we don't have, we didn't have the uh, hatchback. You know, we just had the 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 sedan. Yeah, that's that's my you know my only complaint. You know, with the sedans you know in that size class 
is the the trunk opening. You know, it tends to tends to have a lot of trunk volume, but the opening tends to be kind of small, and that's why I prefer a hatchback if we can if we can find one, just because it's so much easier to load big stuff in the back there. You fold down that back seat, and you can load in whatever you need back there. Yeah, I mean, we weren't loading anything huge. It was just nice to be able to put the shovel in, you know, pretty easily. Yeah. All right. What about you, Robbie? What have you been driving? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I don't have a car this week. I'm so busy with other, a thousand other things. Um, that that yeah, I don't have. I don't have a car. I didn't even bother asking. I haven't even sold. I haven't even sent a list to the car guy, to our fleet manager. I've just been like, I got stuff to do. I got to do this stuff. So mostly, I've just been playing catch up. Um, maybe I'll get a car next week. I'll send an email to the guy and be like, hey, I need to drive a bunch of cars because I really do need to drive a bunch yeah. of cars. <laughs> like the world car, like. Uh, World Car of the Year voting is going to be coming up, and I probably have driven maybe 20, 30% of the cars at this oh. point. Ooh, you, not, got you got some work to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll have to double check the list, um, um, and, and, and I'll go from there. But I'll just be like, hey, I need to drive all these cars. I couldn't go to the event. That's why. I mean, yeah. I had, yeah, so I didn't get the, you know, two days at least of like, you know, 16 different cars to sort of knock out a big chunk out of them. So, yeah, I drove my BRZ around and my my Hyundai, so those are both still nice. I still both I still enjoy both of those. <laughs> is the uh, is the Jag X Type still sitting in your in your? It's driveway? still sitting. I has not. I haven't done a damn thing with it. <laughs> it's been like months. It's been months, and every time I walk out, I'm like, oh, I gotta fix that car and give it to the neighbor. <laughs> I'm literally just. Doing, I think I'm just going to give it. I'm just going to fix it and give it to the neighbor, or trade him for like food. Or, or like, you know, McDonald's, you know, gift certificates or not even, I don't even like McDonald's. That's a... I was going to well, say, they... does it work at McDonald's? What's, what's with the McDonald's? No, I don't know. There's one nearby. There's a Wendy's too. I don't know. Maybe I can just trade them for, I think he has a couple uh, uh, drum sets, but I already have a drum set. <laughs> he's, a, he's also a musician. So I'm like, well, what do I want? What, 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 but I have too many. I have too many things. The the, uh, the guys at TFL did a video last week. Uh, you know, it's titled "Snow Seasons Here." You can buy these four ridiculously cheap all-wheel drive cars right now, and it was one thousand bucks, five thousand, ten thousand, and fifteen thousand. And the thousand-dollar one was an X-Type. The X-Type. See, you can get it yeah. for a thousand bucks. So maybe I should sell it to my neighbor for five hundred. There you go. Although I suspect yours is probably in a little bit better shape than the one that they had in the video, which was missing a grill, had no shifter knob. Uh, oh wow! No, it, no, it's got it all was, its it's got all its bits. It's it, even it, got the little it was the mess. little. Uh, it's even got the little the leaping kitty cat. Oh yeah, all it's, right. it's even got the leaping kitty. That's a big thing. People keep asking me, "Is like, does it still have the?" I'm like, "Yeah." They're like, "Yeah." That's that's the only thing people care about when I talk about that car. Does it still have the hood ornament? I'm like, "Yeah." So, <laughs> Yeah, you can stab a person when you run them down. <laughs> That's right. Now, it doesn't you... retract. The hood ornament doesn't go down. No, no. This is 2004. This, oh, that, okay. this kind of that kind of technology was like. Give <laughs> <laughs> you right. a Richie, you're Richie Rich for that sort of thing. <laughs> All right. Well, I had uh, 2024 GMC Canyon AT4. So this is the GMC version of uh, GM's new new generation midsize trucks, um, and. You know, like like the Colorado, uh, you know, it is just ever so slightly larger than the previous generation. 
Um, it's uh, it's like it's all it's only an inch longer, but it's got a couple inches longer wheelbase, so it's got slightly shorter overhangs than before. And um, interesting, un- unlike um, uh, Toyota on the Tacoma, which is keeping multiple different um, body styles, um, GM and Ford have both cut back to just doing a crew cab. So there's no more extended cab versions of the Canyon uh, like there was in the previous generation, which is actually probably fine um, for the most part because, you know, the extended cab, you know, they had flip down rear seats, you know, the jump seats mm-hmm. in there, but, you know, anybody but a small child couldn't, couldn't actually fit in there. Um, so it was basically only useful for storage. If you just flip up the seats and just use it for storage, but it's like the nineties the when they started putting little cabs and yeah. like Toyotas and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like you guys sit back there. Oh, wait, my friend from high school, his dad sold the patent to that, to the seat in the back of the Nissan of the hard body. The oh, tiny really? little seat. Yeah. <laughs> the jump seats back that's, there. I just right. remember that. That's it. That's, that's, that's my only, uh, helpful bit of advice. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the, helpful at all. The, the, the one downside though, to not, having that extended cab version is now there's only one bed option. You know, you used to have, um, you know, if you wanted a longer bed to, to store stuff and you didn't really need a back seat, you could get that extended cab and have a longer bed, have a six or six and a half foot bed. Now there's only one bed size, which is a five foot bed, which is, you know, if you fold, if you leave the, the tailgate down, it's, it's actually fine. You can haul a lot of mulch with that. Um, the uh uh the at and it's it's to, frankly for most people that that's you know that that's it's actually fine. the right size you know most people don't need an eight foot bed um you know if you need if you need an eight foot bed on a regular basis for hauling sheets of plywood or drywall things like that you're a contractor you're a contractor you're probably driving an f-150 uh, you know, an XL single cab, a single cab you know, yeah. or, or super duty or something. So, um, the, uh, the AT four is a, you know, a decent all arounder. It's, it's a little more off-roady version of the, um, uh, of the, uh, um, the Canyon. Uh, so there's several different trim levels. There's the elevation, which is, uh, the, the base level, the AT four, which is a little more off-roady. It's got a couple of skid plates on there. And a two-inch lift, factory lift, um, and a little bit wider track with the wheels. There's the Denali, which is the luxury version. And then there's the AT4X, which is a luxury off-roader. <laughs> so it kind of combines the Denali and the AT4 in one. Um, and also this year, um, there's only one engine option in the uh, uh, in the Canyon. And and also in the Colorado, there's only the 2.7 liter turbo four cylinder that was introduced on the the uh, the 1500s a couple of years ago. Um, unlike on the Canyon the, or the Chevy Can uh, the Chevy Colorado, um, the Colorado they offer a couple of different power levels with that engine. So the base one's got I think 270 horsepower, and uh, the the high output version's 310. The GMC since it's a more premium brand only offers the high output version. So it's 310 horsepower, 430 foot pounds of torque, uh, eight speed automatic transmission. It's got plenty of power for, for this size of truck. Um, you know, it's the truck's not exactly a lightweight, 
but um, it's got more than enough performance uh, for for whatever you would want to do uh, with this thing. So, um, you know, I didn't really get a chance to do any off-roading with it. Um, but one thing I did notice, you know, driving it mostly on the street is it's the the ride quality, even though it's got a two-inch lift on it, um, you know, and all-terrain tires, it it feels really comfortable. It's it's It does a good job of, you know, uh, letting the wheels move around, but keeping the body under control. It doesn't feel, it never feels bouncy. doesn't feel like it's got a lot of, um, a lot of body roll when you're going around corners. Um, there's a stretch of highway near me that has this kind of, uh, slight sine wave to it. You know, like a low frequency sine wave that on some vehicles that are too stiffly sprung, you get this bouncing motion that is very, uncomfortable um makes you makes you start to feel ill after a few minutes um that's not a problem for this one it's it's got just the right mix of spring rates and damping to keep everything under control um the uh, infotainment system and this one is gm's new um android automotive based system uh so it's a 13 inch uh center touchscreen display with uh all the, the google automotive services built in um, it does because this is not an EV, it does still have support for CarPlay if you want to use that, and you can use that wirelessly. <laughs> the weirdest decision, if, and, and, <laughs> you know, if you can't get over it, if, really if, you're, if you're a Google user like I am, uh, you can just go, you know, tap on the Play Store, um, log into your Google account, download your apps, you can run everything right on there. You don't have to, you never have to connect your phone at all if you don't want to. Um, everything's right there. Google Maps, Google Assistant, uh, all that stuff is built in. Um, the seats are quite comfortable. Uh, the the interior uh, was quite nice. The one I had uh, had the uh, desert sand metallic finish, so it's kind of a light tan color. Um, and uh, eighteen inch wheels um, on. Or let's see, no wait, did I have the eighteens or the twenties? can't remember now no it had the 18 inch wheels and they're they're 31 inch tires um so you know it's not a huge amount of of it's got a decent amount of ground clearance but you know if you're gonna if you want to go do any serious off-roading you probably want to step up to the at4x or at least get some bigger uh bigger tires uh on the thing um you got uh four wheel a four wheel uh two two speed transfer case a four wheel drive low um <clears throat> and uh, uh, digital instrument cluster, eight-inch digital instrument cluster, all in with with all the options on this one. It had the AT4 premium package for eighteen forty, um, sunroof, uh, spray and bed liner, uh, which is always a good thing to have. Uh, Forty nine thousand two hundred forty five bucks. One one downside, yeah, it's a lot of money for it, a truck. But... It, it, well, yeah, it is, but trucks. When, when you look at uh, the price of a full size, the answer to every truck is, is Maverick. That's the new answer to every yes, truck. Yes, well, absolutely. I was going to say, what is need something bigger? Tacoma. What? What? Well, I was going to say this Tacoma. So, what is this? What's the starting price on this? Because the starting price on the new Tacoma, I just had it in front of me. It's it's uh, a very reasonable thirty one five. And now, now the GMC website doesn't want to load again, uh, so. I I will have to get back to you. Oh, I just had price. it open. Yeah, I did too. And now it doesn't want to load. Uh, it knows, oh, it knows you're looking. For like, oh, no. 
They're cross shopping. They're cross shopping. Yeah. Okay, right. So the the two wheel drive elevation trim. Oh, uh, start starts at thirty eight thousand eight ninety. Ooh. So ooh, that's a. Go buy a Tacoma. Sorry. Well, Tacoma wins. And keep in mind, no. Okay, this is for the GMC. GMC is the you know it's the, the premium the, the premium grade. You like can the also Lexus Tacoma. <laughs> yeah, you can also get the Chevrolet uh, Canyon, which is the same truck for several thousand dollars less. What did you say the starting price was in Tacoma? Thirty one. Thirty one five. Yeah, I think I think the um, the Canyon starts somewhere. The yeah the the Colorado. Sorry, I keep getting them mixed up. The uh, the Colorado uh, uh, the Colorado two wheel drive starts at twenty nine thousand two hundred. So it's actually cheaper. Oh, wait, you can get the SR for 28600 for the Tacoma. Okay. Just the, the base base. For the 2024? Oh, wait, this is 2023. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ignore me. Ignore it's, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just drove the 2024, and it starts at 315. I haven't driven the Tacoma in 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> so it hasn't, it hasn't right changed until LA, now. So They rolled them out right before the LA Auto Show, so it's kind yeah. of convenient. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's not cheap. It's also not particularly fuel efficient. Um, it, uh, it only averaged uh, seventeen and a half miles per gallon during the uh, the week I had it. Uh, it's rated at seventeen city, twenty one highway, nineteen combined. Um, and like I said, I I got about seventeen and a half out of it. So if you're looking for a fuel efficient smaller truck, get a Maverick. Um, Otherwise, uh, you know, for, for a midsize, you know, this, uh, you know, it's, it's not a bad choice. Um, and frankly, most of the others aren't going to be much better in terms of fuel economy. Um, especially, you know, if you get the higher output engines, I'm not sure what the, I don't know if they've published fuel economy for the new Tacoma yet. They, well, um, I'm looking at what are the specs right now? And they're saying you can get up to a manufacturer 26 MPG highway. Is that what the gas or the, uh, um, the hybrid that's, that's the entry level SR. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I think that the two wheel drive, you probably you get a manual transmission too. In the Tacoma. Yeah. That's, yes, that's something can. that's also unique. So that's why don't, why don't we, we jump right to that of the three of us? You're the only one that drove the Tacoma. Um, what did you think of the Tacoma, the new Tacoma? Very impressed. I, I will be honest. It was, it was, uh, way more capable. We did a lot of off-roading around Malibu and uh, it was great. I mean, it handled well. It was, it felt confident on, you know, very scary roads and it was great on, on paved roads too, which is probably more important and comfortable. The seats are new and they're very comfortable, which was nice. Oh, that's nice. Little glitchy on um, the, so they had us using Google maps for our, for our routes and on two different models, it froze, you know, and it could have been connectivity because we were in the mountains, but it was a little, little annoying. Oh, yeah. you know, I've, I've had Google Maps freeze in just in general, like on like using CarPlay recently, like it just stops working. So I don't know if it's to, a Toyota like needing to update their software is it, issue or is it's, it on, it's a Google issue. Is it yeah, on, I don't know on Toyota like vehicles Toyota. specifically or on... <laughs> On other brands too. Oh, my car. My, oh, no, it's it CarPlay. On, on, on the CarPlay. Car this is CarPlay. No, this is CarPlay. Oh, okay. This is just CarPlay in general. It's just like freezes. It's it's gotten progressively worse over the last probably like eight months. 
and I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that it also has, you know, when, while Google was like, everyone decided they were going to lay off a bunch of tech people because they're like, well, if Twitter did it, we should do it too. And now things aren't working quite right. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know who to blame with this. It was, you know, like I said, it was like multiple vehicles. So I, I'm like, you can't just blame it for being a prototype, you know, yeah. vehicle. I think, I think it was, I think it had something to do with the software. Blame it on the rain. And, and that's, you know, that's the problem when you've got multiple layers of software from different sources, you know, is trying to figure out what, where the root cause of the problem is. Um, you know, and I think, I think this, this is one of the reasons why most automakers are shifting towards using Android as the, the core OS so that they at least have that built in thing. So they have, they have some level of control over at least that part of it. So if you, you know, if you have a problem with the projection, you know, that's, that's a harder issue to tackle. You know, sometimes like I know on, on our Honda, you know, uh, my wife drives that mostly. And sometimes, you know, it just loses the connection to the phone. And I've seen that on, on other vehicles as well um, with Android auto and, and with CarPlay. Um, so it's, you know, it's tough when you've got these, these different devices that have to interact with it, you know, and the more you can embed it and have some control over that, the, you know, the easier it is to diagnose and fix those problems. There is a stripper road. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. There's a stripper road along interstate 80, um, right before the bridge. Um, if you're heading West, um, where it doesn't matter what car I'm in, um, 90% of the time, uh, Apple CarPlay will just freeze and, and stop working. There's something happening along this one. All of CarPlay like, or just the maps? A whole CarPlay. Whole, all of CarPlay would just, it'll freeze and then it'll just cut out. <laughs> Every car, my car, BMWs, Mercedes, like anything that supports CarPlay, it's like this one strip. And I've talked to Antoine, who's over at CNET, and there's a, there's a spot over where near he lives where it, it does the same thing. I wonder if that's that's a, a like a, an issue, you know, with iPhone and its connectivity to the cell network. That's doing There's that. something. There's I, I something causing some interference there. Aliens, maybe maybe government GM, aliens. Maybe GM's, you know, shift to wanting everybody to use the native system isn't isn't so bad. If 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 we can get rid of issues like this, my problem hmm. with native systems is they don't crowdsource, um, you know, current traffic, traffic yeah. which I want to know. Well, Traffic but but like. they're using Google Maps, which is crowdsourcing that traffic. So, okay. you know, so they're getting that data from anybody, anybody that's using Google Maps or Waze, um, you know, that data is being fed into the Google Maps that's running in your car because they're, you know, it's it's still connected. Do all native systems use Google Maps, though? No, all, just all the all the systems with Android Automotive, except for Stellantis. Stellantis is using Android Automotive, but with TomTom Maps. They're not using Google Automotive Services. Huh. But like Volvo, GM, uh, Honda now, Ford is going to be launching there soon. Uh, Nissan is launching there soon, um, and um, and a bunch of others are all adopting. And and even Porsche recently announced that on the next generation uh, Macan. They're going to have Android Automotive with Google Automotive Services built in, and so if you're using Google Maps in there, it is getting that crowdsourced data. Okay. Well, you know, I I used the I had to use the Tesla native system when I had when I rented a Tesla out in LA, and I didn't mind it. You know, not having access to Waze and and Google Maps. I lived I lived for a week without it, but I did miss knowing where the you know the traffic was and where the cops were because Waze tells you you know mm-hmm. please report it ahead and. 
I, I can't tell you how many times that saved me. <laughs> Driving around 109 miles an hour yeah, everywhere. <laughs> I kind of need that police reported ahead thing. So it's important. Get, getting back to the um, the Tacoma for a minute. Um, one, you know, one of my complaints about the previous generation Tacoma, especially like the, the TRD Pro uh, version, was it the suspension always felt kind of soft and floppy and, you know, kind of it, it never felt very well controlled. And uh, I'm wondering how, you know, how that felt on the new Tacoma. It felt great. I mean, we, we, in, in variety of situations. So on the freeway, on, on city roads, on off-roading, it always felt, um, I wouldn't say stiff, but it wasn't floppy. You know, it felt, it felt controlled appropriate. Yeah. All right. It's cool. not a sports car. It's a pickup truck. So yeah, you got to but- kind of temper your expectations a little bit sure but i mean you know you you want you want a decent amount of control you know so that it's it doesn't feel like it's just kind of wandering all over the place which i when i drove the old tacoma that's what it felt like it just felt like it it wasn't it wasn't controlling what the body was doing I thought was the issue is that it was the old Tacoma. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Toyota is very like, like you know that we're just gonna sit on this for I don't know, fifteen, twenty, twenty five, thirty years. Especially with their get... trucks. Not so yeah, much with like, their you know cars, what? but with their trucks they yeah, If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's yeah. their whole and, even if it is kind of broke. <laughs> and to, to to be fair, you know, the Tacoma has still been the best selling mid size pickup uh, you know, of all. You know, it sells like twice as many as the next closest one. Oh, so, okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, all right, cool. Um, anything else on the Tacoma? Any other thoughts on that? Well, to answer your question, I'm just kind of looking at the, at the tech stuff and, and they said, you know, one leap forward for the new generation is a fully redesigned coil spring multi-length rear suspension. Yeah. Ooh. So that, that, that improves the, the overall ride and handling tremendously, especially on, on an off-road, um, you know, cornering. All right. Excellent. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. All right. Well, there, there was a, another truck that uh, finally got into the hands of a handful <laughs> of customers this week. Yeah, some people got it. A few people. A few they people. Didn't get to, they didn't get to drive it away. They got it, though. <laughs> yeah. They got to take possession and then climb into the drive, the passenger seat. Uh, um, including among, among those was uh, Alexis Ohanian. Um also known as Mr. Serena Williams. Um, he, uh, he, he was one of the 10 that, that got uh, a cyber truck this week. Uh, so that's almost, who it was. I was like, man, I know that guy. <laughs> almost, almost four years to the day after they first showed it. And, and Franz von Holzhausen smashed two windows with the steel ball. 
um, trying to prove how bulletproof they were. Um, they finally well, this, finally handed out some customer cyber trucks. Well, this time they 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 gingerly threw a baseball at it instead. Yes, yeah, a very <laughs> bouncy like, baseball, by the way. Yeah, I was like, well, I'm like, come on, just don't do it. Just don't, <laughs> don't. There's, there's no need to do that. I I think I, I have a feeling that Elon said, "You're going to do this, or you're fired." I just, uh, I mean, that's a lot of things that happens at Tesla, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, based I on, know. Based but, on, yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, now that now that we have some actual specs on the production version, you know, it's thirty thousand, tw- anywhere from twenty to thirty thousand dollars more expensive <sighs> than what was announced four years ago. It's got less range. Um, you know, they they said the three motor version was going to have five hundred miles of range. It's actually only got three hundred twenty. Um, and you know, with Tesla numbers, you know, that means that it's probably a little less than 300, uh, yeah. in the real world. Um, it. yeah, it's, it's smaller than the original concept. It's about, uh, like 10 inches shorter. Um, so what, what do you, <laughs> what do you think of this thing? Um, well, let's, let's. Did you did 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 either of you watch any? I watched of, I watched the event. Videos? I I was at the yeah. Cybertruck unveil a billion four years ago. I I I got a video on Instagram of them breaking the window <laughs> <laughs> with my phone. Um, and you know, the, here's the thing: is like I don't have to like something for it to bring joy to other people. Um, that said, you know, it took forever. Um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, apparently someone said, I don't know. I haven't even researched this. You can't sell it in Europe because it doesn't meet uh, the standards, like uh, safety standards. I'm um, surprised it meets the U.S. safety standards. Yeah, I'm surprised. The more I look at it, the more it, I think. Based on what I've seen in the, the uh, crash test video, I'm not entirely convinced that it does. I don't think it could. I mean, just the, the front end of it is not yeah. insured for a crash. Yeah, it's. I don't. No, I mean, yeah, people are going to buy this because they're going to buy this. That's that's all there is to it. But will they be able? Um, to it's weird. It's cool. I think, but I, I, I'm I'm just going to go back to they should have shown it off. They should have said a year later said, you know what? It's going to be really hard to make it the way we want to make it. So that's going to be a low run, low production vehicle. You can also get one that looks pretty much exactly like it, built in a traditional fashion, that people can buy for forty thousand dollars. But instead. They just held fast to this idea that it was going to be, you know, the special steel, Tesla steel or whatever they're calling it. And it's stainless steel. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they're special Tesla stainless steel. I don't know. They, they say a lot of things. It's hard for me to, 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 yeah. Uh, and so, you know, people are going to buy it. Good for them. Um, I think if you're in the market, the Rivian's going to be a better, a better, just better all the way around. Um, there's no reason a truck this big should go from zero to 16 to 0.6 seconds. I don't think the WTF on the GMC Hummer should be a, an option. Like these things are so heavy and they're just like, look, we can go from zero to seven. Like, no, no, you're just throwing a bowling ball really quickly down the street. That's not cool. Um, you know, if, if it's your jam, fine. I don't, I wouldn't buy one. Um, I, it's, it's not really that I, they kept talking about how it's utilitarian. I'm like, I guess in a way that a hatchback's utilitarian, um, you know, you can, you have the little cover in the back, you can throw things in the back, but it's not a truck truck. Does that make sense? It's not an F-150. Well, it, it's, the, <clears throat> um, 
TFL did a, you know, Roman and um, Andre did a, a video the other day um, talking about it. And Roman said, you know what? After watching that reveal, I'm just, I'm going to call it a cyber car. I'm not even going to call it cyber truck. It's cyber car. Because in fact, I guess during the event, um, Musk referred to it as a car, something like 19 times. He he didn't refer to it as a truck. He referred to it as a car. And so but, Rom, Roman just said, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to call it a cyber car. Well, but they have to sell it as a truck because clearly this does not meet any sort of pedestrian safety standards. No. It's just a big pedestrian smasher. Yeah. And with those sharp edges on the front, you know, I mean, I would not want to get hit by this thing. No. It's just a polygon machine. Yeah. Which again, I mean, I like you want a polygon car, cool, you know. But there's like it's it's unlike anything else on the in the road. I'm like, yeah, but so's the Ionic Five. I'm like, settle down, buddy. You yeah. Just... <laughs> well, Elon is still saying. At first, he said 250 thousand a year. He's backed off of that and saying now he told Joe Joe Rogan that uh, he's they're aiming to to sell 200 thousand annually. It's like I, I I just don't even know how that I could I can't see them selling that many. Well, I can't see them building that many to be or, honest. Or building that many. It's it's which, just too hard. Which is why they're now offering a thousand dollars to anybody with a reservation <clears throat> to to do another to buy another Tesla instead, which I think is really telling. Right? Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. If you're if you're on the if you're on the Cybertruck reservation list, you can get a thousand dollar discount if you buy any other Tesla through the end of the year. I think. Oh. And just FYI, I was just checking. Alex Alex Ohanian did not actually have a reservation for a cyber truck. Elon just called him up and said, "Hey, do you want one of the first? <laughs> and he said, "Yeah, sure, I'll come out." And and so he came out and he filmed it. And then you know he's got this this Instagram following of uh, how many people follows him? Crazy amounts. Eight hundred twelve thousand people follow him on Instagram. Yeah, that he, much. You know, he, you know he he was co-founder of Reddit, and you know he's been around the tech industry a long time. And he did a nice um, and, video of, of getting the uh, or getting to drive, you know, ride in the vehicle, as you said. They they didn't actually get to drive. You know, one one thing that I thought was funny was, you know, everybody was talking talking about, you know, it's got no door handles. And Elon had to open the door for everybody to get Everyone. in. Everyone couldn't it's it's got the exact same system that's on the Mustang Maki and the Cadillac. Yeah, like, you just press the button right there <laughs> by the door, and there's a little piston that pops the door out a couple inches and you grab it it's not that hard you know i don't uh, i don't like those i want a door handle i don't care how cool the car is going to be without it i want i want if there is a problem i want a firefighter to be able to open my damn door and i have to be like wait what's going on <laughs> right 100 percent. i don't want a first responder to like oh uh, let me get the owner's manual up on on youtube trying to figure out how to open the door of my vehicle i don't care how much cooler it is <laughs> If it doesn't well, I, have a door handle. I, I know that at least on the, the Maki and the Cadillac Lyric, they actually have um uh super capacitor in the door so that there's enough energy. Uh so even if your battery is dead or disconnected, whatever, um, there's enough energy to open the door at least twice. So um, so you know, you, you still just press the button, you know, and it's all contained within the door. I don't know yeah. if Tesla's executed it the same way or not, but oh. hopefully they have. I feel like you ha there has to be like a rule. You would think. 
There'd be a NHTSA rule. I don't know. You think there'd be a NHTSA rule? There's a lot of things you would hope there were NHTSA rules, but there aren't. They aren't, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other issue. (laughs) Um, I noticed that they added the the power supply in the back. You know, you can plug things in. You can work at the... Yeah, you get 11 and a half kilowatts. um, Yeah, so that's nice. Yeah. So, you know, everyone, they they saw F-150, which, you know, everyone copies everyone else. So that's not a dig on Tesla. It's just like, oh, that's a good idea. We should do it too. Um, I didn't see the Cyber Quad though. What's going on with that cyber quad? Uh, I guess they didn't have it at the event, but apparently it may be on the, the website now to order. Really? Uh, oh. Somebody was, I saw that somewhere. Um, that, you know, there's definitely pictures of it around. <laughs> uh, no, I don't see it there yet. There's a lot of clothes. Yeah. Um, but um, chargers. Yeah. You know, the, the other, the other thing, you know, is with the, uh, you know, the visibility out of this thing, you know, when the tonneau, the power tonneau is closed, you have zero visibility out the back, um, you know, which, you know, is not necessarily that big a deal, you know, if you've got camera mirror system. But if you're towing with this thing, um, you know, the mir- the outside mirrors are actually pretty small for a truck. And, um, you know, this thing, you know, has 11,000 pound towing capacity. But you know, none none of the the influencers that got a chance to actually do um, you know some initial you know first drive reviews that were posted this week, you know had a ch- had an opportunity to actually do any towing with it to see how the truck handles. You know, you had Jason Camisa for Haggerty, you know, racing this thing around a track uh, against a go kart, and you know apparently it handles pretty well on a track, but you know. I don't know how well it's going to handle with an 11,000 pound trailer on the back and, you know, your visibility of what's going on back there uh, might be pretty limited as well. Yeah. You need, you need the little extenders. Yeah. I wonder if you can buy those. I guess you just buy the ones for like an F-150 or Silverado and you just, you know, clamp them on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's stainless steel. You should be fine. You can do whatever you want to it. Sure. Why not? Speaking of stainless steel, do either of you have any stainless steel appliances in your kitchen? No, I, my my appliances are a hundred years old, and I I've heard horror stories about stainless steel, so I will never get a stainless steel. I mean, you know, it's great if you like fingerprints. I mean, who doesn't like a good fingerprint, <laughs> especially if you're doing crimes? So, one one other interesting detail um, that they I guess they didn't talk about during the presentation is the uh, range extender battery. So if you, uh, they, they have an optional battery that you can get that can be installed in the bed that takes up about a third of the bed volume um, and increases the range. So for, with the tri-motor, you can get from 320 to 440 miles of range. With the, the two-motor all-wheel drive, you can get up to 470 miles of range. Um, but of course, you know, battery like this is going to weigh probably at least five, 600 pounds. Uh, so it's not going to be something you're going to slide in and out on a regular basis. Um, but the funny thing is the guys at Electrek um, just found a, a patent that Rivian was granted in 2020 for a um, range extender battery that you put in the bed of the truck of the R1T. And uh, so um, they, you know, oh. they, they already have a patent on what, uh, what Tesla is, uh, doing. And apparently the, the Tesla battery is going to cost $16,000. Ooh, that's a lot of money to lose 
space in the back of your car for extra range that you literally don't need because there, there, if there's anything about the Tesla vehicles is that you have the Tesla network. You're fine. You don't need yeah. that battery. Where are you going? Are you driving to Antarctica where well, there are no bad chargers? Well, I think, Elon, I think it's, Elon said if you're if you're hauling very heavy things up mountains, you're going to need the, the. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're towing a trailer, that you know the 340 mile range that you have with the all wheel drive version, it's going to be half of that. You know, it's going to be you know 150, 160. You know, yeah. just just like it is with a Lightning, um, you know, or or a Rivian. You know, you're going to cut your range in half with a heavy trailer, um, and you know if you. Because it's such a hassle to charge an electric truck or any EV with a trailer, um, you know, you probably would want to get that. You know, ideally, the way they do it is they would actually let you rent the the battery from a Tesla. Service oh center. yeah, for the so weekend. You, oh, I need this yeah, for go, a long weekend. Go, yeah, go to a service center. You know, have them put the battery in and the crane. Yeah, you know, yeah, and then you, know, you rent it for a week or two, whatever. You know, for your road trip. Um, you know, when you're, you're towing your camper trailer and then you go back when you return and they take it out. You know, I talked to Tesla a billion years ago about this, about pull through charging stations and they have some, but there's, there, there are a few, but not many. They were supposed to, they, they told me at the time, which was 2020, which is a while ago that they were going to be building a lot more. Well, well all right. You know, they, it's a lot of things. Any any other thoughts on the <laughs> Cybertruck? Uh, it doesn't have a dash cons the dash cluster. Every car without a dash cluster makes me sad. Yeah, but that's the way Tesla's going. I'm I'm actually yeah. surprised that they kept the dash cluster in the uh, Model S and Model X when they refreshed the interior of those those cars. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm well, I'm well. looking forward to seeing one in the wild, especially here in Detroit. And I'd like to see it next to an F-150 or a Silverado or a Ram. I'd really like to see the comparison next, you know, side by side. It's, you know, it's actually, it's slightly shorter. One thing that was interesting among all the, all the dimensions of the Cybertruck got smaller from the original concept, except for one, the width. It actually got seven inches wider. Seven inches. I sat yeah. in that thing. It was fine. It's uh, the the width is listed as eighty six and a half inches, eighty six point six inches, which is the same width as the Hummer EV, and that is <laughs> a ridiculously is... wide vehicle. So why would? All right, okay, fine. I sat in that thing with four adults, no, five people, at the event, the launch event. It was fine. I mean, one of them was a child, so I guess that's maybe that's. I don't know. <laughs> um. All right. Sticking with EVs, um, Fisker, is anybody, uh, neither of you have had a chance to drive a Fisker Ocean yet, have you? No. I have not. Yeah, it sound, sounds like uh, Fisker's having some challenges. I, I was actually talking to somebody else in LA, and th things are not looking good there right now. Uh, um, they uh, uh, just announced this week that they're cutting their uh, production target to the for the year um for second time to just over 10,000 units they originally they were targeting 13 to 17,000 units uh they dropped it to 10,000 um apparently because they want to they're trying to conserve cash uh cuz you know if you build vehicles then you you know you have to pay for the parts and if you're if you're not selling them or if you're selling them at a loss then you're going to be burning cash yeah. and, you get inventory you got storage yeah yeah 
Um, so, uh, um, they're, uh, they're, they're having some challenges and, uh, it, uh, it, it looks like it might be, uh, you know, they, they might be in line for, uh, a, a rerun of what happened to Fisker in 2013. Well, well, I mean, I feel like they sort of made, they made a lot of the right moves, but I mean, right now, I mean, with interest rates are so high and you're like, Oh, I'm going to buy a car. You're like, you know what? Nah, I'll just wait. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Does that, does that, has anyone ever like renegotiated their car, you know, like refinanced their refinanced car, loan? car loan? Yeah. I mean, we uh, refinanced that I our house, our mortgage during COVID because it went down, the interest rates went down. But yeah, I don't think anyone's, so like when you, when you look at a car, you're like, well, I'm going to be paying how much in interest for, okay, you know, I'll just stick with the car I mean, that I have there's now. No, there's no reason you couldn't. I mean, yeah. you, know, you probably, yeah. I mean, most, I think most people, you know, at least on new car loans, finance through the, the captive financing arm of the automaker. Yeah. You know, but I mean, if you go to a bank, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I mean, you could probably get a, you know, get a new loan, you know, to pay off the old loan at a, you know, get a new loan at a lower interest rate to pay off the old loan. But the car would be less, probably, you'd probably be slightly underwater mm-hmm. with, the, with the loan because cars depreciate, well, yeah. more than, you know, a house. And so you'd probably have to make a big balloon, like a big payment in order to get the loan. To get at least back to break even. Yeah, the break even. Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's tough buying a car right now because now there's everyone has cars, but now the the interest rates are kind of well, and, and you know, and this, this when you're yeah. a new and yeah, you're a new company and you're like, okay, if I got to pay a lot of money for a car because of interest rates, am I gonna go with Toyota, or am I gonna go with Hyundai or Ford, some companies that I know, or am I gonna go with some new company? You just think. I think some companies are recognizing that and are offering, you know, very specific deals. A friend of mine just got a new Equinox and uh, Chevy Equinox, and she she got a ridiculously low interest rate. Uh, what did she say? Five hundred dollar rebate, one point nine percent APR Ooh, financing, employee pricing, and Costco had an additional one thousand dollar rebate for members on the exact vehicle. So. Yeah, and, and that's usually like through the captive finance arms of the automakers like GM Financial, Ford Credit, um, you know, Honda Financial. You know, they'll they'll do they can get away with doing those sorts of things. Uh usually, you know, if you go to a bank or if you're buying a used car, you know, it's a different story. Yeah. Those interest rates are are much higher, you know, around around seven to eight percent at a, on average right now for, for new cars. And upwards of ten percent on used cars. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, batteries. Um, you know one one of the one of the challenges with um, buying an EV these days. Yeah, you know, I've been talking talking to a lot of reporters over the last month or so about you know why are EV sales down? And and to to be honest, they're actually not down. EV sales are up. Market share is up. You know, EV market share in 2022 was five and a half percent. This year, it's 7.4 percent through October, um, and we're on track. We're just shy of a million vehicles through the end of a million EVs through the end of October. This is going to be the first year that we sell over a million EVs. There's only a couple of manufacturers that are actually down. Ford, Volkswagen, you know, of the of the majors are down on EV sales this year. Everybody else's EV sales are actually up. So. Uh, you know, and there's more EVs available. So, you know, that's, that's not the problem, but 
you know, it, they could be growing faster. You know, a lot of people were expecting it to grow faster, but they're still growing. And a big part of, I think, why, especially this right now, why a lot of people might be holding off on EVs is waiting until um, after January when uh, you can get point of sale tax credits. So Cash on the hood, bam. Instead of waiting till the following year to claim that $7,500 tax credit on your tax return, after January, you will actually be able to get that when you buy the car. So for the first time, it'll actually lower your monthly payment, which is a big thing for most people. Uh, you know, interest rates are, are a big factor in that monthly payment and, you know, how much you actually have to pay. And if you can get that $7,500 off, then that lowers your interest, your, your monthly payment significantly. And I think we'll potentially see a bunch of people buying EVs in 24 that were just waiting. But um, IRS just uh, issued their guidance on how some of the, the stuff is going to work for what vehicles are eligible for tax credits. Basically, it comes down to if your EV has any Chinese-made parts or any Chinese-made minerals actually the minerals are 2025 but any chinese made parts components in 2024 and then in 2025 any chinese made chinese processed minerals you get no tax credit at all dun 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 which uh volvo is yeah Yeah. (laughs) polestar yeah so there's there's you get nothing like willy wonka (laughs) yeah so there's probably a bunch of EVs. So even if your EV is made in the U.S., if you don't have those, uh, if it's if it's got any parts, battery parts made in China, you might be out of luck for any tax credits. I mean, this well, if is that's a bad... not an incentive to build a new battery plant, I don't know what is. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we've got your Ford and CATL. <laughs> yeah. Which was like, that's their big deal. They were partnering with CATL and it was like, yeah, that well, seems like a smart idea. And they're like, oh, wait, hold on. They're they're licensing some production processes from CATL. They're not, well, uh, sorry. They actually that, are buying batteries for the Mach-E and the F-150 Lightning uh, right now. So those will no longer be eligible. Wow. Dun, dun, yeah. dun. And it doesn't help that like, people in Congress are losing their minds over the, the factory. And so they what reduce. about leasing, though? Is this is this just for buying? You still get the lease. You still get yeah. the lease. If if you lease, it's a different story. You will yeah. still leasing it, is the way. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. apply if you lease. So for most of the manufacturers, they're doing the the tax credit pass through on the lease, and that's what Volvo's doing. Uh, yeah. I, when I talked to uh, Russ Dats in uh, in LA, Russell. he said that's what they're doing with the EX30 and the EX90. Is they're passing through those uh, lease tax credits. And you know what? Right now with EVs, I mean, everything keeps changing. I, I, I mean, we leased our EV. We're going to lease the next EV. Um, I don't know how many leases we'll uh, maybe two more before we think, okay, now I feel like things have settled because everything's moving so quickly. Um, <clears throat> fortunately, we have a charge point charger. So uh, if our next you know vehicle has a Tesla connection we can just swap out you can actually with the charge points you can actually just buy a different cable oh well they let you replace the cable yeah yeah oh that's nice you you can do that with the with the charge point ones so yeah just look it up on the old i think it's like 700 bucks for a new kit so it's not cheap it's not it's not not expensive you might actually be cheaper to just buy buy another one yeah we might maybe just buy a new charger 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, we're topped off at like 50 kilowatts right now. So it's not like we're getting any extra speed from what we have uh, installed on the house. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just lease. Just lease. You're, you're, you'll be. F- we, we released our Kona. We're happy with it. We'll lease the next vehicle, which my, my, my wife, we, we still have fingers crossed that maybe it'd be the ID buzz, but I don't think that's going to happen. But we had the EV9 a few weeks ago. And uh, not the EV9, sorry. Uh, EV6. <laughs> EV6. And uh, my wife really liked it. She's like, oh, there's a lot of room in here. I'm like, you know, the Ionic 5. And I've had these vehicles before. She just doesn't ride in all of them every time I yeah. have it. So in my brain, she's been in the car already. She's like, oh, this is kind of nice. There's a lot of room in here. There's lots of room for the dogs. It's more. It's bigger than Arcona. And I'm like, well, there's another one that I kind of like more. It has a little bit more room, and it's squarer, so we'll get more. She's like, so we might end up with a, another Hyundai. You can fit more drums and amps and stuff in there for your Yeah, yeah. If you gigs. can, yeah. If it, can you band it? That's the whole thing. Can <laughs> can you use it for a band? Um, uh, well, uh, Tanya, I know you've got a heart out. Um, yeah, I do. I'm thanks. sorry. Thanks for joining us, and uh, hopefully we can get you back um, next week, uh, maybe or, or the week after, because yeah. uh, Nicole's still gone for a couple more weeks. Lucky Nicole. Yeah, yeah, we'll just keep and we'll keep referring to you as Nicole as well. That's just, fine. Uh, I'm good with that. I can be Nicole. The, the part of Nicole will be played by Tanya. <laughs> Her voices aren't too different, so we could, we could do that. Yeah. All right. Well, all thanks. Right. You guys and have fun. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Um, all right. Uh, so Connecticut. Um, Connecticut. Connecticut was going to join the list of states that were going to impose uh, the a, a ban on sales of new internal combustion engines in 2035, just like California and Washington and several others. Uh, but uh, apparently there was a bunch of pushback and the governor this week, uh, a couple of days ago said, yeah, I think we'll wait on this. We're not, not going to do this right now. It's so far away. People think 2035 is like 2025. I know. It's so far away. I remember when this broke um, with uh, California. I put it on a car and driver, and I just had to keep telling people. I'm like, this at the time was like 2020. So I'm like, it's like 15, 14 years away. It's so far away. And even in the past few years, like there have been advances. It's so far away. We have so much time to work on the infrastructure, which is really the, the biggest issue right now. We have over 10 years. It's so far away. Yeah. And, you know, by 2030, we should certainly have most of the infrastructure issues resolved. And, you know, hopefully by 35, you know, we'll have, you know, the, the cost of the EVs, you know, will come start coming down significantly. You know, there'd be. I think 2027. Every segment. Bloomberg, uh, just something. I think 2027, we're talking parity. Yeah, well, we'll see. I think that's what it was. Yeah. I, but, uh, you know, that Not was supposed to happen. A few years ago, COVID. they were also saying 2022, 2023. Yeah, yeah, but that was, we also had, you know, COVID, which broke yeah. literally everything. So, yeah. And, you know, we don't have I mean, any more war, pandemics. Everyone just war, chill out. Wars, you know, <laughs> military war. wars and geopolitical trade wars <sighs> and nonsense like that, you know, that it keeps yeah. driving up prices of, of materials. Everything. Um, so, you know, it's, it's hard to predict that stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, ideally, you know, by, you know, somewhere between 25 and 27, 28, you know, EVs should be close to cost parity um, with, uh, with internal combustion vehicles. Um, But, 
you know, a lot of things can change that, you know, suddenly yeah. spike prices in lithium or nickel or cobalt or something else. China can just say, we don't want to do that. We don't yeah. want to sell it to you at this cost. And that's the problem with getting most of our, our minerals from China right now is that they control the entire market. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's mining operations and there's, there's um, extraction operations that are going on in the U S but our, our regulatory system is so dense that we're talking like 10 years for, if you're lucky to get it like a new yeah. mine. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily all have to be mined domestically. You know, the, the, the tax credit regulations do allow for, you know, getting materials from company from countries where we have free trade agreements, like Australia, for example, and Chile, um, as long as it doesn't go through China at some point in the process. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the only thing. Um, but, you know, and then, you know, I think we're, you know, we're going to see a lot more adoption um, this decade of lithium iron phosphate batteries. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, this week, uh, the guys at Our Next Energy put out a release, you know, they've been, They've been working on, oh, yeah. you know, they've got two things that are working on. They, they're working on domestic LFP batteries. And they're starting to produce those now at their plant. They've got a pilot line running and they're going to have a high volume line running in 2024. But they've also got their dual chemistry Gemini battery, which uses a mix of lithium iron phosphate cells. And eventually it's going to be manganese cells for a range extender. So most of the time you're just using the LFP when you do need that occasional longer range it'll recharge the LFP cells from the manganese cells. Uh, they, they got a development deal last year with BMW to build an IX with a prototype Gemini battery. And they released their test results this week. Uh, their, their battery was the same form factor uh, as, the, uh, as the, the, battery, the stock battery in the IX. And uh, on the WLTP test, it went... 608 miles on a charge which is you know we we talk a lot about hyundai and how hyundai's killing it, but bmw has done so many really cool things mm -hmm. um with their evs um i mean they, they don't have they're not using you know like I, i've talked about this before they're not using uh, permanent magnets uh, rare earth magnets in there so they don't have to they, you know they're not they're not stuck talking you know hoping that china doesn't raise the prices <laughs> of rare earth magnets so stuff like this um you know and one you know, LFP is becoming big. I just talked to someone uh, talking about lithium uh, sulfur batteries, which, you know, are supposed to have uh, higher uh, energy density. So there's a lot. Again, 2035 is a long way off and battery technology is moving so swiftly. Even even if you look at uh, solid state batteries and you're like, well, in 2030, we'll be able to sell 30,000 of them, I think was Toyota's deal. Actually, I think um, it was 10,000. But... I'm sorry, 10,000. <laughs> but if you, you know, it's Toyota. So, you know, once they figure out how to do it at scale by 2035, if again, you know, solid state's always been five years away for the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, but if Toyota pulls it off by 2035, you're just going to have a solid state battery in every Tacoma, every Tundra, every Corolla, every Prius, everything that they make. They're going to have these tiny little dense batteries that uh, deliver uh, in a really nice range. So it's, there's a lot going on. It's, and again, it's not just solid straight, it's not just lithium ion. It's just a lot of smart people working to solve this problem. Yeah. And, you know, BMW is also working with solid power, uh, another company doing solid state batteries. They got their recently got their first shipment of test cells for to test in a vehicle. So, um, you know, there's definitely progress being made.
That's why you uh, lease. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a um, couple of years back, Nissan put out a concept called the Chill Out, um, which is a little small, smaller crossover. It looks a lot like the Aria, but smaller and a little smoother. And um, this week there was a, a story um, from um, Automotive News. Uh, and I think it was also in uh, Auto Car in the UK uh, that Nissan has said that uh, their uh, plant in the UK at Sunderland, uh, their assembly plant there, in the next couple of years, they're going to be launching three new EVs, uh, including an electric version of the Juke, um, next generation Leaf, uh, and also uh, something else that they haven't announced yet. Um, <clears throat> but the uh, uh, automotive news is speculating that the the new leaf <coughs> is going to look a lot like the chill out concept. That'd be dope to be honest. <laughs> I, mean, I like the chill out. It's like a weird little, like it's higher than it probably should be, but it's, it looks like a micro machine. Yeah. Uh, everyone who, who used to remembers micro machines. Um, yeah, no, it looks, it looks cool. It looks fun. Not quite as I crazy remember- as the concepts that they showed in uh, Tokyo last month. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit more production ready um, than than what they were showing off, which is you know, which is you know that's what people should be looking forward to is something that they were like, oh, this, but a little bit less you know wacky, as opposed to this and a lot less wacky, which is you know what what we've been seeing. We saw L.A. Yeah, um, apparently though, uh, along with this, the uh, production of the Leaf in uh, Smyrna, Tennessee, is going to be ending. Uh, when when the current generation finishes out around by 2025, um, which is unfortunate, but um, they um, Nissan has said that they're going to be building two new EVs at their Canton, Mississippi plant, which is where they built the Titan today. Um, and uh, you know, one there's going to be a pair of electric sedans, one for Nissan and one for uh, Infinity, um, which uh, is, is going to be based on the uh, the vision QE concept that we saw in Tokyo for the Smyrna plant. Cause they have a battery facility there as well. Like, are they, are they just spinning down that entire plant? Well, so the, the battery facility, uh, the battery plant there was originally, um, that was a, a joint venture. It was AESC. It was a joint venture between yeah. Nissan and NEC. Nissan bought out NEC stake. And then they sold 90% of AESC to, um, Envision, uh, a, uh, another company. And so Envision AESC is continuing to run that plant. And they're also building a couple of other new plants here in the U.S. One in yeah. Kentucky that's going to supply batteries for Mercedes-Benz in Alabama. And then another one in South Carolina that's going to supply batteries to BMW in Spartanburg. Um, and uh, so uh, it's not clear what the plan is I've, for the I've reached the out to battery AESC. plant. I reached out to them about this plant and, and um, I've heard they do not like talking to the press at all about anything, even yeah. if it's good news. Like AESC is just like, well, we don't need to talk to you. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's unclear right now what the, what the plan is for the Smyrna battery plant. Um, you know, the assembly plant, the vehicle assembly plant still cranking along, you know, they build Altima's and um, yeah. frontiers there uh, along with the leaf. Uh, and, uh, you know, they'll be building uh, the rogue. I think the rogue is built there as well. 
Um, so uh, and eventually, yeah. all the Nissans are going to have some sort of electrification inside of them. So yeah, definitely. I'm sure that plant will be continued to at some point. They're going to need those batteries that are being built like next door. Right. And so, you know, maybe it'll produce batteries for the Canton plant for the, uh, the two cars built, built there or, or something else who we'll see. Um, but the, uh, uh, oh, the third, the third electric model they're going to build in, in the UK is the, uh, Qashqai, the next generation Qashqai, uh, which is the previous generation Qashqai was sold here as the rogue sport. Um, and, uh, the, the, the new generation Qashqai, uh, is not currently being sold here, but the next one is going to be electric and that's going to be built, uh, in, uh, Sunderland as well. well. That's good for the UK. Yeah. At least, at least somebody's building something there. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they must've figured something out on how to make it work for them. Uh, all right. <clears throat> um, Detroit, um, has a char- a road that can charge your EV now, or at least a little bit of road. Um, you know, this, the idea of dynamic wireless charging has been around for a long time. You know, it's, you know, it's a cool idea. You know, the idea, you know, you got wireless charging now for your phones and other devices, you just put it on a pad and, and it starts charging and, you know, electricity has been around for a while. You can, uh, they have wireless charging on a few cars, um, where you just drive in, park your car over a pad and it charges the battery. But. Um, this is one of the first public roads that has a wireless charging system built into it. So as you drive down the road, it can charge an EV. And so in, uh, in Corktown in Detroit, um, there's a quarter mile stretch of road. So basically about, you know, three or four blocks, uh, where they've built in a charging system into the road and they're testing this with, uh, with some vehicles, um, driving over it. Um, you know, ideally, you know, if you could do this, you know, you could get away with smaller batteries because you, you don't have to go to charging stations. You know, your car just gets recharged as you drive down the road, but we'll see how effective this actually is. It's, you know, I mean, on freeways, if you're stuck and you're just moving a little bit, I mean, that kind of, that makes sense. Um, you lose a lot of power to heat with the, these, you know, if you ever, you know, if you picked up your phone from when it's using the wireless charging versus just plugging in, it's, it's a bit hotter. Um, so that's, that's an issue. Um, and then of course the cars have to support it. So that's the other thing. Um, generating the power though. I mean, if you, if you set up the road, I think they have this in France, like of something where as you're driving on it, like the vibration creates electricity. Maybe that's a yeah. There's been some interesting ideas around. Yeah, that, you know, yeah. So I don't know if it generates enough, but if, yeah. if if it's if it generates enough electricity to be self-sufficient, so as you're driving over it, it'll charge your vehicle even just a and, little. And bit. there's been ideas of having solar panels in the road, so you're basically driving on the solar panels. On solar panels. That seems like a bad idea. Yeah, honest. I mean that that's, that that's not a yeah yeah that's and, not going to last. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and 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 the problem with you know even even if you're you know regardless of where you're getting the electricity from, you know having the wireless charging system embedded in the pavement, especially in Michigan, you know um, you know if you're not from Michigan, um, you know springtime in Michigan can be very treacherous um, for your tires because 
you know, we get a lot of uh, freeze and thaw cycles over the course of the winter. And, you know, you get a little crack in the road, water gets in there. And the next time it freezes, it pops out a big chunk of pavement. And, you know, it, it's expensive enough to maintain roads. You know, when you add this in there, you know, I don't know how durable this is actually going to be. And I think this is part of what they want to test with this is to see how durable it actually is when you're driving over it um, and, and how well it survives. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how well this works next April. Yeah, Michigan's got some. Every time I drive to Michigan, I'm like, man, you guys. I don't know why anyone would buy dubs in this (laughs) country. Uh, I honestly don't know. I mean, you know, I've I've had flat tires with you know with regular tires, you know, from uh, you know, and and you know, I've had. Fortunately, I've only had to replace one wheel on my wife's car from from Uh, a pothole, Uh, but I've I've replaced multiple tires over the years that were that either got blown out completely or, you know, ended up with a big bulge in the sidewall. Uh, you know, it's, it's not yeah. good. We, we, we kind of had a, a, like a, we had a taste of that in California after all the intense rains, cause it just kept mm-hmm. raining. So it just kept wearing away and destroying the roads. And I ended up with a flat tire in a, in a, in a press vehicle with it. It just destroyed the sidewall. I'm like, well, that's the end of that tire. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I had yeah. two in the span of like four months, uh, last, last fall and then early winter, uh, had it on the, on the lucid air, uh, got a flat from a pothole oh. and then, um, in the uh, Nissan Versa got one, oh, but at least, at least the, at least the Versa had a spare tire that we could put on. So, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. I had a BMW, uh, during uh, Monterey car week that, uh, I drove over a curb because where they had this park for quail, mm-hmm. I guess, I think there was a piece of metal sticking out of the curb. Um, and it just sliced into the sidewall. And uh, fortunately, I had a I had a spare, so I like called somebody. I'm like, "Am I allowed to change the tire on this car?" And they're like, yeah, "Well, if you want to." I'm like, "All right, done." And I just hung up and just. <laughs> it took like 30 minutes to find out if I was allowed because I didn't want to do it. And then you know, someone gets because some then someone else gets in trouble because I was allowed to do something that someone some lawyer doesn't want me to do. And BMW is notoriously kind of paranoid about you know. Some of these things, because you know, what if I'm changing a tire, I hurt myself? Now they're liable. Yeah. They're like, you know how to do that? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> It'll take us an hour to get out there. I'm like, no, man. I'm gonna do this in five minutes. I'll be. I'll see you guys in in, in thirty. When I, when I had the Versa, Mike Austin and I were on our way to a meeting, and driving through downtown Ypsilanti, it hit a pothole and heard the tire pop, and so I immediately <laughs> pulled over. And we pulled out the donut and between the two of us, we had the, the, the flat tire off and the donut on, you know, had it jacked up and back down again in like about six minutes. Yeah. It's not, yeah. Find a rock, throw it under one of the, you know, the opposite wheel. So the, yeah. so the car doesn't move even with the e-brake on, because especially if it's the, you know, one of the rear tire, one of the rear tires and then, and then go to town. Yep. <laughs> Find a rock, set it, use it as a chuck. <laughs> All right. Or a chalk. <laughs> What is it? Chuck? Chalk? Chalk. Chalk. There we yeah. go. Chuck's for your drill. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, all right. Atlanta, the Atlanta City Council uh, passed a resolution calling on the Georgia General Assembly to pass a bill to create harsher penalties for dangerous drivers. Um, what they're asking for is for, um, for drunk drivers, um, serious speeders, and street racers. Uh, they want um, a five-year license suspension 
for the first offense. Second offense, 10-year suspension of your license. And third offense, license revoked for life. Whew. Well, drunk drivers, I don't know why you get your license back the first time. Anyway, but yeah, yeah I mean, we, I guess people make mistakes and you can change as a human. Um, it's super speeders. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I, without like looking into it, like, what's that mean? Are you doing a hundred? Are you doing 109? Like what's, that's the, what's the, the, the speed for that. Um, and then uh, racers, I mean, I, I did reckless driving. I think there's, there's a lot of people I see driving just like complete idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say you're at an event, you're out and you're out, like, so let's say at, you're watching other people race. Do you, do you, because you're there, they're like, well, you were at the event, so you're a reckless driver. So now you're, it just seems like it's really tough to, I don't know. On one hand, I don't, you know, these people shouldn't be doing any of these things. On the other, um, how does it, how do, how do you determine who is the person who is guilty? As long as, I guess, it's equitable. I mean, you know, cer- certainly for some of these things, um, you know, for street racing, you know, like you, shouldn't you, be can, racing. you can, yeah, you can figure out who's guilty. Yeah. yeah. Street racing. Um, yeah. And just don't, don't do it. Don't race. Don't on race the street. On st- you can go to a track. Most places, yeah. especially Atlanta has a track. <laughs> you know, I mean, everywhere you go across the U.S., you know, there are drag strips, you know, they have, you know, test and tune nights. You certain can go nights. There. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, go to it, go to your local drag strip. You know, it's a lot safer. Uh, you know, something goes wrong, you know, there's emergency personnel on hand there, you know, they've got, you know, they've got, you know, they've got fire equipment. They've got, uh, your mom can watch you. Your mom yeah. can come out and watch you. Eat yeah. You. you know, go, go to your local drag strip or, you know, go to a track day. If you want to road race, you know, do not do this on public streets. It's, dangerous it's stupid you know i mean i love to drive on the track when i get a chance you know it's a lot of fun but it's not something you should ever be doing on the road on public roads uh, so it's uh you know definitely you know keep keep it you know to off-road conditions and you know and i think you know if if you are doing this on on public roads i actually don't have a problem with you having your license revoked for life yeah, no, it, it, it's, I'm looking, okay, so I live in Northern California, notoriously expensive, just mm-hmm. mind-bogglingly expensive. If you, you can go to Sonoma Racetrack, which is like 30 minutes from my house. If you want to do a drag strip, it's $35 if you pre-register. If you're a high school kid with a high school ID, it's $20. Yeah. <laughs> For 20 bucks, you can take your, whatever your car, you your can, parents, or whatever you money, ta- what, you yeah. know. You can take whatever you got usually to these test and tune nights, you know, and, you know, you're bracket racing, you're racing against a clock, um, you know, and it's actually a lot of fun. Bracket racing is a lot of fun. Um, you know, cause what, what you're doing is you're, you're measuring your response time, but also your consistency. You know, So you go out when, you know, you, you set a, a time and then, you know, then you set, you know, how, how close you're going to try and get to that time. And, you know, so you're not necessarily racing directly against the, the person in the other lane, you know, but everybody's racing against the clock. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it, you know, it's, a, it's really challenging. It's actually a lot harder than it looks. It is. Yeah. Cause you're trying to time that just, green light. Yeah. It's not as simple as just stomping down on the right pedal. You know, you, you actually have to time everything just right, you know, and getting a good launch. And especially if you got something with more power, 
and getting a good oh, watching you're just going to get sideways. Yeah, it's really tough. It's a lot harder than people think. Yeah. Um, but you get there will be two to three runs before the first round of eliminations. So for tw- twenty bucks, you're you're a senior in high school and you got like a Mustang GT that your your parent, you know, your dad gave you or whatever <laughs> that he used to drive while listening to Vanilla Ice, um, and you could. <laughs> You can do two to three runs in your dad's drop top Mustang GT <laughs> for twenty bucks and for fifteen dollars. And it's yeah, if it's a uh, spectators is fifteen dollars at the gate, uh, and then special events are twenty bucks. So for twenty bucks, you get it, and then you make your parents pay thirty bucks so they can come and see you, yeah. or your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever, your aunts. Have right. your auntie come out. <laughs> anyway, tracks. Go to the track. Yeah, it's not. Do, that, do it's a, really not day. that expensive. There's it's there's not. racetracks all over the country. You know, yeah, usually within you know within a couple hours drive. And you know what else is also great fun? Autocross. Oh, autocross yeah, events autocross. everywhere. Yeah, and you know, again, dirt cheap. You know, and you can you can run anything. You know, you don't you don't have to have safety equipment. You know, and it's it's all about your skill as a driver and maintaining momentum in the car. Um, and you know, so you, I mean, the first time I went auto crossing with my daughter, um, there was, uh, there was a young woman there that was driving, uh, an early 2010s Ford focus. Yeah. It was, yeah, this beater Ford focus. Yeah. And there was all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, you're running against the clock and it's just, it's so much fun. It's, it's, you know, and you can, you can do that and it's not, you're not putting others in danger. So, so if you if you if you have a Challenger or a Mustang with the with the live axle, you know, because those things are horrible at, at cornering. You do the drag. If you have a Miata or a Ford Focus, you do <laughs> go to an autocross. And, do the autocross. There's something for everyone. There's yeah. probably some off roading things you can do. Yeah, I mean here here in Michigan, you know, there's all kinds of club racing tracks like uh, Waterford Hills and Gingerman Raceway on the west side, um, and, and you know these are all over the country. And I think if you go to um, find the site uh i think motor i think it's motorsports registration um you can find events near you i'll i'll find the site and put it in the show notes yeah motorsportreg.com and you can it's the world it's run by haggerty and it's the world's largest motorsports event calendar so you can put in you know your location and it'll show you all the stuff that's available you know for everything from autocross to um bikes you know um motocross uh drag racing uh road racing what whatever whatever you're interested in you know for whatever kind of vehicle you've got uh and you, know, you can register on there and you know it's all done under under safe controlled conditions you know so you know you, you don't do this on the street please you can just do you can just pay someone not even a lot of money yeah <laughs> That's the crazy part. It's not like, like, oh man, we're gonna have to pay seven hundred, eight hundred. Nope. Yeah. Nope. I mean, you know, for nope. for for an SCCA autocross day, uh, you know, if you're not an SCCA member, it's like fifty bucks. You know, and you get half a dozen runs, um, and it, it's a great time. All right, and with that, um, we don't have any questions today. Um, I do have an interview that I recorded at the LA Auto Show couple of weeks ago with Mike Evanoff, uh, who's uh, head of uh, product planning for SUVs. Um, and uh, uh, we talked about the uh, the new uh, Santa Fe 
um, and some other stuff, including the the deal with Amazon, you know, and how you'll be able to buy your Hyundai from off of Amazon.com next year. And uh, it was a good conversation. So uh, stay stay with us and, and have a listen to that. And we will be back next week. And hopefully my voice will be back to normal next week. Bye. Let's talk about Hyundai. Okay. Uh, new uh, new Santa Fe yep. here. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, as far as product, that's that's big news. But yep. uh, in a way, it's almost not the not necessarily the most interesting news. But mm-hmm. We'll uh, we'll get to that in a minute. So the new Santa Fe is quite a departure yes. for uh, for Hyundai, both from a, a styling direction and um, you know, kind of the, the product has evolved as well. Mm-hmm. Over the last three generations, three generations now of Santa Fe, there's been quite an evolution where you you had. Two Santa Fe's, yeah, two and a three row. Yeah, two and a three row. Mm-hmm. Then you dropped the three row, went to a two row only, and now mm-hmm. now you've grown that back to a three row again. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that that evolution, how how that's transpired. Yeah, I think you know as as the you know we, we've got a full SUV lineup, you know, all the way from Venue, Kona, Tucson, Santa Fe, and, and Palisade. And I think when when Santa Fe originally came out with the two row, um, you know, we knew obviously Palisade was coming, and that was going to be our third row. Um, and with the success of you know Palisade, um, and, we, and with Tucson getting so much larger in the last generation, we wanted to move Santa Fe a little bit larger. And by doing so, gave it you know enough room for the third row, make it standard. It's a very usable third row. I mean, it's a, it's a you know I'm yeah, it looks like there's a decent it's, amount it's, of it's a, yeah, it's not an emergency jump seat like yeah. like sometimes. Um, so you know the car did get bigger, about two inches overall length and two and a half inches in, in height. Uh, wheelbase also about the same amount. Um, so that allowed for the room. Um, you know, we made the engine. Uh, we no longer have the 2.5 normally aspirated engine. That's gone. And 2.5 turbo is the standard engine. That's the base engine, um, which makes sense from a you know size and, and everything standpoint. I think Santa Fe just kind of grew up a little bit, and you know, it's still you know six inches shorter than Palisade, so there's still room for Palisade at the top. Um, but Santa Fe, I think, supports it you know nicely and allows Tucson to operate in its own space now too as well. Yeah, it's kind of the kind of the story of the industry, you know, where a nameplate will grow, yes. you know, over time, right. and then new ones come in behind and backfill right. those right. those, those size those size segments. It, it's funny. I always talk about um, in, in, in all my because I've been in doing this for a long time. It's like when when the, when the new generation car comes in, you for a car something as simple as a car cover to keep it covered. Mm-hmm. I'm like, just just get the car cover from the seg- from the car segment above it. You know, last oh, time, yeah. and, and it just it fits. You know, the new. Yeah. You know, it's a small anecdote, but it's just kind of it's it's kind of how it goes. You know? Yeah, each one does get a little bit bigger, um, but yeah. So we now we got some more space um, in the lineup, and who knows, leaves leaves room for Palisade to you know even stretch a little bit more in the future. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, you've also got the the EV side of the lineup. Yes. You know, yep. Getting you know, the Ionic Seven mm-hmm. coming sometime next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, powertrain. Wise, yep. you, know, you got the the two five turbo yep. and the hybrid. Yes. Uh, no more plug in hybrid. No more plug in. Is, mm-hmm. is that going to stay that way, or for Santa Fe? I think it's going to stay that way. Um, you know, we have the two the two power trains. We want to focus on those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the mix of power of, of the hybrid will be obviously increasing, moving on into the future, and both those power power trains. Er, Basically, 100% of Santa Fe is assembled in Alabama. So, whereas before the plug-in did come in from Korea, so we wanted to focus on just you know keep it simple. Two powertrains, all U.S. built uh, here for this here in the states. Um, we still do offer the plug-in in the Santa Fe or in the I'm sorry in the Tucson. So that's still available um, at a lower you know lower price point. Um, so if somebody wants to go that pursue that the plug-in side, they can still do so with 
with Tucson. But for Santa Fe, I think it's going to remain what you see for now with the two powertrain options. As as the, the Hyundai lineup has proliferated over the last several years, mm -hmm. adding a bunch of EVs, mm -hmm. you've got ICE and, and hybrid. Yep. Would you say, as the, as the plug-in hybrid maybe kind of gotten squeezed out, is there less demand for it than there might have been in the past? Or, or is it, you know, just... It, 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 it's just in general. I think it, it, it's it's a little bit more of a niche uh, as far as as far as the product offering itself. Um, you know, you have a lot. It's, there's a little bit more complexity with with the larger battery and everything, as and that that translates directly into MSRP too. So it's a slightly more expensive um, proposition as well. So we just wanted to kind of keep it like for Santa Fe, just keep it simple. Um, we're not walking away from plugins by any means, um, at least for this. Yeah, no, I mean, you're certainly expanding the yeah. the Bev side of it. The line, yeah, so yeah. So I think yeah, it, it's a lot, there's a lot of powertrains to keep to keep uh, yeah. keep going, <laughs> and you know obviously you know it costs a lot of money to homologate every one of those, right. to certify them all. So right, um, you know you got to you got to make some decisions. Economies, yeah, economies of scale, and, yeah. and quite frankly, I mean the the plug-in represented it represented probably around five percent uh, on the outgoing vehicle. Um, so I think you know just just to simplify things, just give them the two engine options and, and go from there. So with Santa Fe, um, you know with the changes to Santa Fe. Do you expect the the customer base for that vehicle to evolve? I we do. Um, you know, we we kind of positioned, and you know, we're very cognizant of Palisade too. So we want to make make room for both. Um, we kind of see Santa Fe is more like refined, rugged, whereas Palisade, a longer, a younger life stage, younger family. Uh, Palisade would be more 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 mature family, older family, a uh, little bit more premium uh, in its positioning, but definitely room for both. But, you know, Santa Fe just kind of has evolved. And I think, you know, success with Palisade uh, showing us, you know, three rows, you know, there is a market, definitely strong demand for it. Um, and with the size increase and everything, it just made sense to just not have different configurations, just keep it simple and, and grow Santa Fe and, and give it back the third row that it had once before. You didn't have to make the choice now. You just did it. Yeah, it, interestingly, you know, the, the, San, the, the, the new Santa Fe almost seems like it uh, fits right in the same slot where, the Veracruz was yeah. way back yeah. when, yes. you know, yeah. your first three row. Right. Um, the um, what, you mentioned you mentioned the word rugged in there, mm -hmm. and something you know, one of the things that's new on the Santa Fe is the the R RXT XRT XRT XRT. Yep, got the right letters. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So XRT, you know, which is some, a, a trend we've been seeing you know, across a lot of right. utilities. Yeah. Uh, you know, having a more ruggedized mm -hmm. variant. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, yeah. talk a little bit about what you've done on XRT yep. to to differentiate that from other trims. From yeah, so we've had XRT and we have it in Palisade now. We have it in Tucson. We have it in everything. And it primarily, it's you know, it's a mid-level trim, um, a little bit more rugged-looking, um, but it kind of stopped there at that point. It was just more of appearance. Um, we're growing XRT. We we have plans for it, you know, down the road in the future to expand it even more potentially. But for this particular example, it's the first um, XRT or first Hyundai actually that have all-terrain tires. Um, it does actually have, um, and the tires are a little bit slightly larger outside diameter, so you get a little bit of a lift from that. But you also get about a one-inch suspension lift. Uh, as well that we've incorporated into it so all your, your approach and departure angles all that are, are increased or better uh, on the XRT so it's not just you know appearance it's actually some capability behind it uh, and also the towing is increased to 4,500 pounds so that's uh, about a thousand pound increase and that was primarily through through cooling um, uh, uh, cooling um, capacity yeah. increase to get the, the higher tow rating so is you know is this Santa Fe XRT uh, 
kind of a foot in the water to check, you know, to see if uh, Hyundai buyers will go for a more off-roady type vehicle I, I think, and you, I think, you anticipate maybe going beyond what you've done with that. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think we'll, we will take it beyond what you see here today. Um, you know, it takes a little time to get all that developed, but um, I think the Hyundai customer is, is open and, and willing and might attract some new customers as well. Um, now that there are, you know, with this Santa Fe especially, I think, and XRT being a little bit more capable and you know, what we might have in the future. We kind of saw it with the N brand too. We, we attracted a lot of people who would never consider, you know, a Hyundai before with the N's. Um, but then that translates into, um, you know, third party or, or word of mouth. You know, they, they have family, they have friends. Um, so it you know helps us in, in, in a very credible way. I think you know we can talk with your peers. Right, I have this Hyundai and right, this Hyundai XRT, very capable. Um, I think that bodes well for us in the future. And with the with the the design direction for the Santa Fe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a better fit mm-hmm. with that idea of a rugged off road yep. utility yep. than some of the others. Just just from the way it looks, it right. it looks like you know with with that bit of lift. Like maybe it belongs off road, right? And, and the and the boxiness and the upright appearance, yeah. you know, maximize the cargo space. Cargo space is up like 19 cubic feet over the outgoing model, um, and so it, it's you know they they really did and sang up, sang up and everybody below is always says you know it, it, we, they really worked on that car from the inside out, yeah. and it really shows. There's a lot of like unique. Uh, Customer delights, and I, I, I kind of think of them as whether it be that center console that opens both ways, or the UVC sanitizer. Um, they really that's, spent a that's lot, an interesting feature. They, by they, the way. they really, yeah, especially coming off of what we did yeah. the last couple of years. Um, you know, they really spent some time and put some effort into that interior. And a lot of those things, I mean, there's, there's costs involved, but some of the other things like just like the hooks. You know, on the seat backs, you know, the hang backpack or gear bag, or where we put the USB Cs, you know, in the seat backs themselves. On the side, I mean, on the, on the side, side, yeah, yeah we started with Palisade, I think, yeah, and so now we adopted here in MX Five. Just little little things. I'm sorry, Santa Fe, yeah. um, that we um, that little things that, that get incorporated that you know would go a long way with the ownership experience. Okay. So speaking of ownership experience, yes, let, let's talk a little bit about the other stuff that you announced today with uh, yes. with Amazon. Okay. Um, you know, that's, uh, you know, I mean, you had a relationship, Hyundai's had a relationship with Amazon for a while now. I think five years. Like you were the first, the first brand to introduce uh, Alexa skills uh-huh. uh, in uh, your vehicles that yep. support. Yep. Um, and now um, now you can go on Amazon.com mm-hmm. and you'll be able to buy your Hyundai right. or, or at least order your Hyundai right. through Amazon. Look at inventory. How, how, did, how did that come about? I think, you know, the, the relationship, I'm, I'm not directly involved in it, um, but, you know, the relationship goes back to, like, 2018 when we were on there. Um, you could shop for, for a Hyundai on the website. Because I know I, I, I checked. I was, you know, along with reviewing our websites, I would I ended up reviewing Amazon websites, too, because we had a, a relationship with them. I think just over the years, um, the relationship has expanded now to this level, you know, where you can actually order the car, work with the local dealer, to facilitate the order, um, deliver to the home if necessary, however, however they want to arrange it. Um, it just seemed like a natural progression for the two to, to continue to work together and, and move forward. Yeah, and, uh, and so uh, with this process, you know, customers can go in, configure their vehicle mm-hmm. on Amazon.com, mm-hmm. um, basically place the order, and then it gets routed to a local dealer. Or, yeah, or I think they'll be able to see local inventories as well, like okay. an inventory search through the Amazon site. Um, to see what's available, and then start the the the, uh, the buying process, or how it, how the whole transaction will work. It's still yet to be determined 
ultimately. But, um, the, but they won't be know. delivered by an Amazon Rivian delivery van. Right? No, I don't, I don't foresee that. <laughs> Unless the local get, dealer. You don't get it next day through Amazon Prime? <laughs> no, but Prime. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. But something, something, as long as it's in stock, I'm sure the dealer will make every effort to, yeah. to make it happen for the, okay. way, the way the buyer wants it. Do you, do you think that that is going to be um, a big part of Hyundai sales? Potentially. I mean, we've come so used to it. Yeah. You know, Amazon is just second nature. Only like six, seven years ago, yeah. it kind of started. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it, you know, how it progresses and how it pans out, what the, what the percentages are, what the mix is. Um, but I see it's, you know, it's a good way to start that conversation, too. You know, and we still want to keep the dealers involved. Um, so that kind of bridges that gap a little bit, too, to make that, um, that transition a little bit more what they're used to, I think. Yeah. Um, with the whole with the whole driving process, okay, yeah, I mean, the whole retail process is unique to, unique to the United States still, but well, yes. yeah, and, <laughs> but it, but it's it's also evolving quite yes. a bit. Yes, know, it has to, in, in part, you know, out of necessity, right. obviously over the last three years, but yeah. but also, um, yeah, I mean, it, it started even before the pandemic. Yeah, uh, you know, kind of Tesla kind of triggered that. Yeah. with doing direct sales, right. and uh, you know now you know. <laughs> The whole industry is trying to adapt, and it's interesting to see, you know, this this approach of adapting to, uh, to online sales. Yep. Yeah, it makes sense. And like I said, we've been involved with Amazon for quite some time, um, so it's you know we're proud to be the, the first manufacturer um, to be available through Amazon. And good. So um, I think the the Santa Fe also has, um, I believe the. The new operating system supports OTA. Uh, supports OTA update. Yeah, the new the new head unit architecture. We refer to it as CCNC. Right. Um, both uh, connected car navigation. Connected car. Uh, co- cockpit is in there too. But yes, yeah, something along those lines. But yes. Yeah. Um, so that launched in Kona. Um, it's also now in the new Sonata, which had a pretty big refresh recently. Uh, and yes, it's coming to, to Santa Fe as well. And this will also have the new version of Blue Link. Blue Link Plus. Yeah, yep. Blue Link. Yeah, all 24. Blue Link Plus launched on 23 Ionic 6, which I also launched. Um, but yeah, any, every 24 model year from there on out, uh, all has Blue Link Plus. Okay, so it's included. And. Uh, I don't know, can, you, can you talk at all about the the EV side of things? A little bit, yeah. The uh, Ionic Six, I have. So, yeah. yeah okay. So how how's that been going for? Uh, so Ionic, Ionic Five, Ionic Six, you know, we're well received. Um, Ionic Six is in both of them, you know, as far as you know, media accolades and you know, World Car of the Year, and, and I'm a fantastic. You know, we're very proud of all that. Um, there's a lot of and also a finalist for an accolade. For, yes, exactly. Yep. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah. So we, you know, it's very well received. You know, dealers have been happy. I think you know from a product standpoint, we you know we, we do have the limitation of not having the support, you know, of the of the, the tax credit um, that some manufacturers do. And we're working very hard. You know, we have plan opening next year. We're full speed ahead on that um, to alleviate some of that that bit a little bit of a hurdle. But still, I think you know what we're now the all combined Hyundai Kia Genesis number two uh, in EV sales for 2023. Um, so I think it's. it's Focusing out real well, very well. Right, and yeah, I mean, you've got some got some fantastic product out there. Yep, uh, both both the internal combustion hybrid and and also electric yep. uh, side of the business. So. Yep. Yeah, and, and now we're now we're adding now we're adding performance to that EV uh, yeah, EV they, sector. So yeah, I look forward. The, the you, I look end. forward to you driving that. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it too. It's, yeah. it's going to be interesting. You know, some some of the things that they've done on the Ionic Five N. Uh, yeah, like the simulated shifting and the the sounds. Yes, and it, it it reads it reads a little hokey. I, yeah. I, I I'll be the first to admit I was a very I was very skeptical. Um, I prefer my traditional experience. Um, the first time I, I I've driven the car a few times, 
uh, one of the more recent times I got to do the e-shift with the audio feedback and everything. And you kind of really have to, after driving it for a couple minutes, I had to remind myself this is an electric car. Yeah. You can tell, obviously, from the sound. The sound itself is, you know, is, is, is electronic. It's made to sound like the two-liter turbo. It's never going to sound 100% like it. Right. Um, but the inter- I mean, I remember I, I was at a ride-and-drive with the engineers that came over from Germany, and they were explaining on the e-shift work, and, like, each individual simulated gear has its own torque map and the way it all interacts. I mean, I was like, after hearing them explain it, which you can't really do to consumers easily, um, that's to me the challenge is how to convince people. I think it's getting behind the wheel to experience it because it does give you that tactile, both physical and audible feedback and that that engagement with an EV that you don't really have today. Yeah, and that's you know that's a that's an interesting point, comment that they were making last night at, at the event. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and, that you know, we don't just use our eyes when we drive. Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, we use all of our senses yes. when we drive. You know, our sen- or most most of our senses. Hopefully, you're not tasting anything. Yeah, but uh, certainly, you know, you're using your your ears, your your sense of touch. Right. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, having these other forms of feedback give you more information about what the vehicle is doing, how it's interacting with the road, right. and how you're interacting with it. Yep. And, you know, and you know, as an example, you know, some hybrid vehicles that are out there that aren't made by Hyundai, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or, or, or vehicles with a CVT, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you'll, you'll be driving down the road and the engine will rev up to a certain speed and you know, that motorboating effect. Right. And it, there's a disconnect there between, you know, what what you're hearing versus what else yes. is going on. Yes. And you know, kind of, even though it may not necessarily be entirely authentic yeah. to an EV in right. terms of right. the way it works, right. having that that kind of feedback, you know, gives gives you a connection to what's actually happening. Right. Yes. Yeah. And and the nice thing is if you don't want it, yeah. you just turn it off. Yeah. And just drive it like a normal EV. Yeah. Which uh, you know, I found myself I, I got to drive one for a couple of days and you know, one morning on the commute I would drive it just normal EV, then the other the next morning I would dr- drive it with the with everything active and it's just like two different experiences and whatever you want. And I think that's what's fantastic is we give the customer, you know, the option and the freedom to, to experience it how they want it. Um, it's nice that we have that because I was very skeptical about performance and EVs and the weight and everything that goes along with it. And I think they've done a fantastic job with that vehicle um, to give you, like I said, you know, just you can drive like a normal fast EV like everything else, or you can really interact with it. And on the racetrack, you know, thermal management, body or battery degradation is, is always a yeah. key thing. And they spent a lot of time managing all that to get two laps out of the Nürburgring. Oh, yeah. I think it's quite, you know, quite an accomplishment. If, if a car can, can survive one lap of the Nürburgring right. at speed, that's right. that can, that's an accomplishment. Yeah, so and then have an EV do it for two. Yep. It's, it's good. If it's a different, you know, they've got the, the sprint mode, the, the endurance mode, you know, the different battery, which you heard about all yesterday. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they, they really did their homework and really delivered in spades on that car. Yeah. So looking forward to it. So it's like Hyundai continues to be on a roll. It's Trump. been going on for a long time. Nice. It's, it's good to see. It. You know, I, I've... I'm old enough to remember. Yeah, I grew up in Canada. And okay. I'm old enough to remember when the the pony, the original pony, the Excel, was in Canada. The Excel here. Yeah. Uh, well, no, before the before oh, the Excel. Before the Excel. Yeah, the, the, actual, the real the, pony, the rear drive pony, because <laughs> uh, that one never got sold in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. Then um, the inspiration for N74 and everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so that well, the the pony concept. That original pony concept from mm-hmm. the yep. 74 was very different from the pony that got sold. That right, was the, the four-door, four-door right. hatchback. Yep, yep. And um, 
uh, it sold well because it was very affordable. Right. And that's about the best. That's about where the accolades mm-hmm. ended for mm-hmm. that car. Yep. But you know, you look at modern Hyundai, and you know, I, I tell people all the time, you yeah. know, that they should. We take a look at it. I mean, there's a lot of interesting products. Yeah, uh, a, lot of, a lot of work goes into that. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people at this company that do a lot of hard work and work together to to make that happen. And it's yeah. it's not. It seems like I'm launching a new car every six months, and we kind of, we kind of are, you know, yeah. literally. So it keeps us busy. Well, I'll be looking forward to driving the yep. uh, the Santa Fe, and then the yeah, I think, I think, I think, yeah then the Ironer Five N. I think that drive will yeah. be, I think, in April. Okay. So hopefully in California, and we'll definitely be at a track. So okay. stay tuned. Sounds great. All right, Thanks, Sam. Mike. Thank you very much. Well, good, to good, you. good to talk to you as always. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but If you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.